0: Good day, my friend. You're at the right place at the right time, and you're about to hear the word of God that God has shared with us during our service time at Truth Gathers Dream Center Church. So I pray that we have your attention for the next few minutes as this word of God comes forth. I pray that it be a blessing to your life and to your journey. Let's go to Acts 12, 1 through 17. I've taught a little bit from here a couple months ago, What God took me back. To Acts 12, at least for the foundation of what I'm going to teach here tonight. Um, I'm going to teach, still talking about going deeper. Everybody say, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Yeah, never let's go deeper, but I want to talk about keys to sustaining a revival culture. Yes. God has been doing something in our midst, and um, there's some things we got to know if we're going to maintain a church where people get saved, where the outpouring of the Spirit happens, where conversion happens, deliverance happens. It's just not gonna happen just by osmosis or just because we nice people. There are some things you gotta know to keep a revival culture. There are some things you gotta do intentionally, fervently, passionately, even aggressively if you're going to have a revival culture. You gonna have a church where you can see the manifestation in the presence of God, where you can see gifts and callings come to light. There are some things we are gonna have to do. Say so some things we gotta do. Amen. Acts twelve really helps me because it got several situations happening here in Acts the twelve chapter. I'm gonna start reading. I got some other verses I'll give you as we get going. But I wanna give you a few keys. You wanna take some notes here tonight to sustaining a revival culture, not just starting one. But how do you keep this thing going? How do you keep momentum? How do you keep seeing lives change? I think the scripture will help us. And then let's start reading. It says, now about the time, Herod, who was the king, stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And here it is already in verse two. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword because he saw it pleased the Jews he proceeded further to take Peter also, then were the days of unleavened bread a church that's going to let me give you point number one, a church that's going to uh, sustain a revival culture must withstand temptations you're going to have your own individual, personal, corporate as well, persecution and warfare if you're going to keep a revival culture, you got to sustain, withstand temptations. Meaning, while you're trying to do the work of God, the devil going to be fighting you. That's right. While you're trying to keep your steadfastness, keep your dedication, keep your devotion, there are going to be personal attacks and personal warfare that come against you doing what you can do to stay connected to the corporate move of God. Each one of us going to have our own personal battles in the midst of the corporate warfare. Everybody going to have their separate battles, different types of warfare uh, that's going to be happening. But you must withstand it. Uh, A people or a church that, I'm going to just say it like this, puts up a fight when the devil starts attacking will sustain a revival culture. I mean, you got to put up a fight. When the devil start attacking, things start happening, you gotta fight in the good fight of faith. You gotta know how to fight and you gotta know how to walk. Yes. You you think that the devil's gonna allow you to start snatching people off drugs and people coming out of uh, uh, all kind of perversions and people starting to repent and people starting to get baptized, and he ain't gonna start stirring up some confusion, if it's not in the house of God, it will be in the house of God where you live. Because he know if he can drain your distraction and your focus, even in your personal life, you won't have enough energy and drive to stay with the things of God. He knows, he knows. If I can come and knock on your personal door and mess with your personal life in such a way that I get you dismayed, discouraged, frustrated, right? So much so that you drop the things of God. Oh, you ain't talking about it. That you drop the things of God right, and he gets you in that place, you drop the things of God, he knows that's one of his tactics to hinder a revival culture, because he knows when you show up, even though you tired and frustrated, he knows that there's something that happens when all of us come together, so don't think that when I come in here, I'm always feeling good, come on somebody, but the Bible says our inheritance are among those who are sanctified, it means I find what God wants when I get in your midst, I find joy. I find peace. I get encouragement. Somebody done come and hug me. Sometimes a hug can lift all the burden off of you. So the enemy knows how to attack you personally sometimes to keep you away from your contribution to the corporate move of God. Not only what you can receive from it, but also what you're going to give to light that fire again. Because he knows sometime if you show up, what that means to the corporate atmosphere. Yes, and you got to be able to withstand temptation. Everybody say temptations. Temptation. Persecution and warfare. You must be willing to fight. Yes. Many times when an attack comes, what happens is we stop the mission. The mission can't stop because warfare happens. Yes, sir. This is what I really learned through leadership during the pandemic. I'm about to go to Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I'm still on withstanding temptations. You gotta fight against the enemy. When the pandemic came, it was like, no, what you gotta do, you gotta stand here and you gotta fight against the warfare that's happening through the natural health pandemic. You got to stand against the temptation, all the warfare that was going on. People was concerned for their lives. I was concerned for my life. I want to make sure everybody was safe. Anxieties was high, right? You know, and people's trying to stay in the faith. All right. All kinds of things are going on, real life situations, but it's only when we are willing to put up a fight in the spirit realm. We cannot stop the mission, Right. right? Now, one of the greatest attacks of the enemy is for the church to stop the mission, Right? That's what happened even after Jesus was rose from the dead. Uh, after three days, uh, persecution came against the church, and the church was hiding. <laughs> and they had to be warned against hiding uh, because people were saying, hey, where's your master? Where's your Jesus? But we got to learn not to stop the mission. The mission can't stop because of warfare, Amen. the church can't close. We got to find another way to function we got to have strategy, right? We can't close down all the time when attacks happen. we got to use strategies, all right? And so uh, I think the pandemic was a good opportunity for churches to grow in strategy and technology and ways to still accomplish a mission in a different way. Here's what Ephesians six ten eighteen 18 says. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. See, the only way you can fight and withstand temptations and persecutions, you got to be strong in the Lord. You got to believe in the word. No, you got to believe in the word. You got to believe in the blood. You got to believe in the spirit of God. Come on, you got to believe. I'm going to talk about prayer. But you got to believe in praise and worship and what praise does. Come on, somebody. And how praise combats the enemy. And you got to believe in the Lord your God. You got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The Bible says in our warfare, put on what? The whole armor of God only way you're going to make it through temptations you got to guard yourself if you're going to keep a revival culture and keep the fire going you got to know there's going to be always some type of devil trying to figure how he can stop the fire of god always. always you got to be guarded put on the whole garment of god of god why so you can stand against the wiles, the ways he come, the many diverse ways, the strategic ways he come. Yes, the wiles of the devil. The Bible enlightens us. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right. And so that's one of the also one of the uh, spiritual attacks is he normally gets us to come out of the spirit. Right. 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 To address matters <laughs> that's of the spirit. Right. Amen. He know if he can press a button. <laughs> see you can get mad and angry and rebuke in the spirit of boldness but you ain't got to come out the spirit cut somebody out and then now you got to repent you don't cause confusion and chaos see so what the enemy tries to do is pull you off track of staying in the spirit my God Because he knows we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. His goal in the temptation, in the warfare, is to get you off the wall. That's right. Get you out of standing in the spirit. Get you out of being focused, alright? Get you out of being alert and you get in your natural man and start functioning under your natural strength versus being strong in the Lord. Yes. If you're gonna withstand and maintain a revival culture, you got to put on the whole armor of God. Talks about your loins girl about with truth. This is your emotional places. Your loins represent your future, your destiny, but it also represents your emotional places. It represents your sensitive parts of life. It represents even your sexuality. All right. It represents those private parts of your life. Those things have be have to be bound with truth. It says girt, which is is part of girdle G- with a G. It say girt means tied it up. And I'm talk about girdles before you. But those emotional parts, more sensitive areas of your life, you got to put some truth on it. You got to put some truth on it. The enemy, when he starts attacking you, I talked about it on Sunday. He'll love to get you more emotional than spiritual. Right. Not that you, we are not emotional beings, and I've taught this before, I, I'm out teaching again, but emotions are actually second. It's the, it's the, it's the soulless realm, God. it's second, all right, it's not first. Spirit is first, then it's soul, then it's body, all right. The first thing you listen to is your spirit, but you got to feed your spirit so it can talk. Right. <laughs> you can feed your spirit so it can hear. You need to you feed your spirit so it can discern. So, it's first, your spirit, then it's your soul, right? Your soul is rimmed, your emotionally and your intellect, all right? Those parts, all right, is where your emotions at, but it should be led by the spirit. And then, lastly, is your body. The last thing you ought to be listening to is your body. Uh, right. All right, all right. But but your loins have to be girt about with truth, and it goes through the different parts of us of a body. Having on our breastplate of righteousness, guard your heart, right, with the righteousness of God. Right, you gotta understand God has made me worthy. Say God has made me worthy sometimes one of the uh, toughest part of warfare that the enemy will start trying to remind you of where you've been and what you did, didn't did do right and sometimes you start walking in condemnation and you start walking in guilt and you lack the confidence that is necessary to walk in the presence of God because the enemy start being the accuser of the brethren and he start tormenting your mind and he start doubting your self confidence and who you are in God and you got to remember the, the breastplate of righteousness means I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He has made me worthy. I am worthy because he has made me worthy. My righteousness was as filthy rags but his righteousness gets me in the door. Alright? You got me? I can come boldly before the throne of grace not because of who I am but because who he is. So my boldness is not based upon my works. It's based upon his righteousness. And when you start doing warfare like that and talking to God about because of what he did for you and it ain't about your works and none about what you didn't do right but the blood of Christ has made you worthy and you a child of God when you start talking like that the boldness and the confidence will come alright so the breastplate of righteousness your feet sharp with the preparation of the gospel of peace it's the gospel of God. It means good news is following you. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I always love teaching this. It say, above all, take the shield of faith. It means you can win a war simply through faith. All right? If you don't have your helmet on, if you don't have your belt on, you can still win the war through faith. That's why it says above all, having the shield of faith. So if you don't have nothing else, have faith. I say if you don't have nothing else, have faith. If you don't have this, because we focus sometimes on everything we don't have, and we lose confidence on in God's ability, because we're focused. I don't have this. I don't just have faith. Just have if you have faith, it's above all. Right? right? You can win a war just simply by faith. Oh, you can just hide behind the shield of faith yeah. and be able to quench or rebuke every fiery dart the enemy throws. Yeah. And all it is, is about who can last the longest. And you just stay behind the shield of faith and let your faith block everything. Your faith blocking, you stand behind the shield of faith. And then when the enemy get tired, you can do what you got to do. All right. That's really the strategy here. All right. And take the helmet of salvation. Cover your mind. Cover your perspectives. Your perspective is the helmet of salvation. It's the understanding God will deliver me. And I can't see it. I don't know how he's going to do it. So the helmet of salvation says God got me covered. That's why it's on your head. It says he, pers- he protects my perspectives. I don't know how he's going to do it. It look dark. It look grim. But I have on the helmet of salvation and I have a perspective that God going to bring me out. Some way sooner or later it's going to turn in my favor. I have on a helmet of salvation. Yes. Talking about guarding your perspectives, all right? Then it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, watching there until with all perseverance and supplication with all signs, all right? But you got to learn how to fight. Go to Proverbs 24, 5 through 6. I want to show you something in the message translation. In Proverbs 24, 5 through 6, I'm still on point number one, building that. You got to withstand temptations, persecution, and warfare. If you're going to keep the presence of God in your life, you got to fight alright you gotta fight Proverbs 24 5 through 6 it reads in the message translation uh, it's Proverbs 24 5 through 6 it says it's better to be wise than strong he didn't say don't be strong but it is better to be wise than strong intelligence outranks muscle any day now listen to this. You're talking about beating the enemy? You're talking about beating the enemy? God will make you smarter than him. Yes, Intelligence, God will show you how to fight him. Yes, Outranks muscle today. day. Strategic planning is the key to warfare. You want to start beating the devil? Ask God for spiritual intelligence. Yes, sir. Ask God for secrets on what to do and how to do it you want to maneuver against the enemy ask the Lord and begin to ask them God what you want me to do how, how, tell me how to get through this we study 1st Samuel 30 really extensively and you can see that spiritual supernatural intelligence that uh, uh, David and his men received after he gets out of prayer and the spirit says he's going to recover all they went right into an Egyptian y'all remember that yes. and what did that Egyptian give David and his men instruction and they insight. they knew how to plan. And what did they do? They walked up on the camp yep. while they were celebrating and dancing. Why? Because God gave them supernatural intelligence and supernatural information. Let me tell you something, how you're going to beat and withstand the enemy. God's going to talk you through it. God's going to tell you what to do and how to do it and where to go and God's going to outsmart that devil who's trying to trap you and trying to trick you. This is how you're going to beat the devil's game is through strategic planning. Spiritual intelligence. It's the key to warfare. I love that scripture in that translation. To win you need a lot of what? Good counsel. 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 That's good counsel. Talk to the right people. This is how you're going to get through this thing talking to the right people. So, that's the first thing you got to withstand temptations, persecution, and warfare. All right, the other thing you got to do, you got to have strong and unwavering faith in God. Strong and unwavering faith in God. Now, before I go there, let me say this write down uh, Matthew 13, 18 through 23. Write down Matthew 13. 18 to 23. Go there for me. I, I kind of moved ahead, but I think this is too important. Matthew 13, 18 to 23. Many times when we're in warfare, the enemy try to get us off track, and I want to show you sometime how he get you off track. Let me show you this. Matthew 13, 18 to 20, 23. Let me read it. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, understandeth it not, then the wicked one Catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. All right, so he got the word, but he didn't have understanding. So sometimes the enemy can stop what God is doing because you are not getting understanding of what the Lord is saying. Right. Then the enemy comes, but he that received the seed in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and in with joy, receive it. So when he get the jo- word, he have joy. But yet he have no root in himself. But endureth, but endureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. Alright, so sometime when persecution comes, when I was talking about making me worthy, you start saying, God, I can't believe I'm going through this. right. When I read Acts, immediately after you see the attack, when we read Acts a second ago, after the attacks on the church, the first thing you see what he did is King Harar killed James. He killed James. Imagine being a part of the body and having to receive that great disappointment that James got killed in the warfare because of King Harar's uh, persecution against the church. Imagine sometimes where our emotions could be because of real situations that grip our heart. And sometimes you got to recognize while while we both have to be able to mourn and go through those things, we cannot let go faith and we cannot allow the enemy to pluck up what he's trying, what God is trying to do. Let me, let, me, let me read this. I'm trying to get here. 22, he also receives seed among the thorns. He, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and the cares of this world, the secretness of riches, choke the word, and he become unfruitful. So sometimes when God's moving in your life, ambition and anxiety get you off track. Yeah. You get so excited about your destiny and what God's going to do, you go ahead of God or you get so emotional and so anxious about it, you don't believe in wait, I say, on the Lord. You don't believe in time, and You don't believe in season. You get frustrated waiting for the timing of the Lord. And anxiety builds in you. Come on, somebody. And the Bible tells us clearly, be anxious. For nothing. I said nothing. nothing. It means don't even be anxious for good stuff. We think it's being anxious about bad stuff. No, don't be anxious for good, No, you good stuff because anxiety is not to run your life. That's right. Anxiety will take even good things or anxiety will take hold even of the prophecy of God and make you give birth prematurely. Yes, sir. It could be God's will. It could be God's thing in your life. But if anxiety get a hold of to it, anxiety will try to run you crazy about God's promises. That's right. So you're not to live by anxiety, right? So it says this person not able to bring forth fruit because the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and they become unfruitful. But he that receives seed into good ground is he that heareth the word understanding it and which also bear fruit, some, bear, bear fruit and bring it forth some hundredfold, some 60 and some 30, all right? So one of the key things here about, again, fighting this warfare We have to balance our desire for success and achievement, right? Because this is what I wrote down. You're going to be successfully, successful ethically, eventually, inevitably, and eternally. You're going to be successful ethically, eventually, inevitably, and eternally. The enemy will try to come and frustrate your, where you are in this season of your life. But you, know, you got to know, you're going to be successful ethically, yeah. eventually, inevitably, and eternally. The people who give us that support is Enoch. He was so successful, God came and got him. Yeah, right. He walked with the Lord. God was so pleased. I don't even know where he going. The first rapture, God came and got Enoch. Noah was so successful. Rahab, the converted one, the converted version, inevitably. Daniel, successful, inevitably. Joseph, successful, inevitably. Deborah, successful, inevitably. All right? You got to have a strong, unwavering faith in God. That's really number two. All right? Go to Psalms 126, 5 and 6. I want to show you this too. Psalms 126. Five and six, Psalms 126, five and six. When attacks come, how do you get through? You got to have strong and unwavering faith in God. Our prayer must be fervent and relentless. Psalms 126, five through six says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. See, the only way you're going to get through warfare, tough times, keep a revival culture, you got to sow in tears. And yes, uh-huh. we don't like to talk about that. Yes, sir. It means you keep doing right in tough times. Yes, no, sow in tears. Yes, what the enemy normally tries to do is to get us to take a break. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But you got to sow in tears. It ain't always easy. You think it's always easy for evangelist Amber to sing praise and worship? I know there have been some times that she was up singing and she hadn't felt well. There's some times I wanted to send her home and she said, I'm going anyway. That's called sowing in tears. Yes. We don't just function when we feel like it. That's right. There's times we don't feel nothing and we still go forth with the things of God. Sometimes we don't feel good, but we still push forth our best effort. It's the sowing in tears. And those are the times where the enemy sometimes gets us to sit home and get in pity parties and cry and all those other times. And I believe in rest. There are times to rest. But there's times to push forward. There's times to practice practice enduring hardness as a good soldier. If you're going to keep our revival culture, keep the presence of God in your life, you're going to have to lo- lo- learn how to do good when you don't feel good. Yes, sir. Sow in tears. Reap in joy. Yes, sir. You remember in the book of Nehemiah the enemy came after Nehemiah when they started building the wall. I'm pulling on your Sunday school lesson. Remember what happened? And it was like, what are we going to do? The strategic warfare is, we, we ain't got time to play. It was like, um, Y'all going to have to learn. He said, somebody going to watch with the trumpet? He said, but well, y'all going to have to have your sword in one hand and your tools in the other. We're going to build and fight at the same time. And sometimes, and I call it being what is ambidextrous, right? And that's what happens in our life. The enemy causes us to shut down building in our lives because we don't put down the tools to build. Because we're in warfare and that's what happens. No, you're gonna have to fight the devil and build your business at the same time. But what we think we're gonna do is we're gonna fight the devil and then one day we're gonna start building. No, you're gonna fight him while you build it. No, you're going to fight him at the same time and you're going to learn how to praise God, sow in tears, start your business, raise your family. See, we think we're going to build when the warfare is over. Wow. Well, when the war, devil, when you stop, I'm going to build this family. Devil, when you stop, I'm going to live for God. Devil, when you stop, and the devil, like, I got you just where I want you because you're waiting for me to stop and I'm never going to stop. I'm going to keep attacking you, attacking till you quit but you got to tell the devil I'm going to fight while I build come on somebody I'm going to build and fight at the same time No, at the same time that's how you get the victory so that's why I read it I'm going back to Acts 12 I want you to see that this warfare in the warfare there are times you will have disappointments James being killed is a disappointment James dying is a disappointment Right? Let's go to verse 3. I'm in Acts 12. And because he saw it, pleased the Jews, right? He got some momentum. The Jews was like, oh, the king. He proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. It went into a religious time. And can't kill nobody now. That's how they were. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quartirians and soldiers to keep him. Intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. So in times of warfare, the church get more aggressive in prayer. The the church turned up the heat in prayer. So fervent prayer has to be a nucleus in the time of keeping revival fire going. You can't expect the, the, the flames of revival to keep going and nobody praying. The devil is fighting people and making decisions. The devil is fighting people and keeping going. Prayer has to be without ceasing of the church. Yeah. And so the church maintained prayer while Peter was in jail. Now I want you to understand how resilient this is. Because James just died. And if you're not careful... The devil gets you caught in sorrow. Yeah. And while James died, I want to pause here about James dying because the other thing that's happening here is we got to also honor people who die in the faith. That's it. I, want to, I want to pause to put this here. James died. When I was reading this, the Holy Spirit said, read that again. I was like, James died. He said, yeah, James died, but James just died. James died in the Lord. James died in the faith. James died standing for God. Yes. All right. And so we got to remember sometimes there are people who will die in the Lord. Yes, sir. Come on, people that will die in the Lord. Come on. Yes, and when people die in the Lord, see that? Let me, let me magnify it a little bit. See, dying in the Lord is honor. The Bible even says, Precious are the death of his saints. Right. What? Because what it means is there are people who are dying not in the Lord. There are people who are dying, not holding on to faith, not knowing Jesus, right? So there are people who are dying in the faith. That is something to be honored and celebrated and saluted. Even though our hearts hurt from missing them, we celebrate that they didn't give up in the faith. Because see, there are people walking away from the faith every day there are people backsliding come on there are people walking away from righteousness and holiness and truth every day and anytime somebody dies in the Lord we got to honor that and be careful not to go in depression when somebody dies in the Lord the church had to go right back in prayer right and the reason what happens when you get in prayer God starts comforting you in prayer God starts strengthening the church in prayer God started enabling the church in prayer. So they went back in prayer, not just also because Peter needed the prayers, but they needed the prayer. They needed the atmosphere of what prayer does for them when they're dealing with disappointment. Many times the reason that we can't maintain the presence of God, we try to deal with the disappointments of life outside of the presence of God. Yes, sir versus bringing our disappointments in the presence of God. Come on, rather than praising him through the the tough times and praising him when we're going through hard times. Come on, the Bible tells us what? Put on the garment of praise. For what? It's a remedy for heaviness. So when you're heavy, what do you do? You praise him. For so It's a remedy for him. We try to handle natural and emotional things outside the presence of God. They were rescued and they returned to the mission of the church by getting back in prayer. The enemy will have us distracted when life happens, but the way we find how God navigates us through these tough times is back in prayer. They got back in prayer. He comforted them from the disappointment of James, but they also needed to fight for Peter. Peter. Yes, sir. You see that they needed to fight for Peter. So many times we got to understand. We got to stay in prayer. But I say stay in prayer. stay in prayer. The other thing that helps us uh, maintain revival culture is becoming a church family. It says, "But a prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God." So we got to become a church family, and I'm not talking about a church family based on skin. I'm talking about based on conversion yes, sir. and in Christ we share things together so we are all brothers and sisters in Christ yes, sir. right when one go through something it affects the other we are treat each other like brothers and sisters we are a family of God not based on skin but based on conversion. Right? And we have to become a church family. We have to bind ourselves together. We have to uh, um, hold each other up in prayer. This is what they became a family, a church family. all right? That's another key of, of, of maintaining revival culture. all right? All right, let me read here. All right, where am I verse verse six? And Herod would have brought him forth the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains and keeping. And the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Now I got this next point. My next point is realization and expectation of signs and wonders. The realization and the expectation of signs of wonders even though we're disappointed that that James died we still believe God yes. oh you hear me yes. even though James died through the warfare we still believe God yes. we hadn't allowed the situation of disappointment to take our faith yes, we haven't lost our faith in the battle of warfare, we still have our faith, right? And we have a realization, an expectation of signs and wonders. This I got this point from Prophetess Perry. Right here, this is one of the points you point out. It says that Peter will sleep, and the angel, verse 7, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in prison, and smote Peter on the side, and raised him up quickly, saying, arise quickly. What I want, she said this, I want the type of peace that I can sleep with chaos all around. He had guards surrounding him. They was all over the place, chains on him. And Peter was in such a deep sleep the angel had to come and wake him up. If you can ever find a peace in God, if peace, a peace in God when chaos is all around. If you can find a place in God that God is going to take care of this and I don't know what's going on but somehow I just believe God is able, you know I like I like how uh, uh, that Meshach Shadrach and Abednego did they said uh, king oh king we want you to know even if our God don't come, see they found a peace, you're not going to torment us with death, you're not Torment us with death. Because if I die, I'll die in the Lord. Kill me if you want to. See, he ain't saying nothing. You can't torment me with death. If he does not save us, he's still able to do it. Yes, sir. Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Found a peace in the midst of chaos by be throwing in the lion's den and told him you can't threaten me. Because I done found a peace. Yes, sir. If he don't rescue us, that's fine. I will just go to heaven. Y'all ain't hear me. You can't torment me with you death. I already took care of my future. I'm already saved. I plan to make it. I plan. I plan to make it through this. But if I don't make it through this in the earth, I'm going on the glory. But one thing you ain't going to do. You ain't going to have me down here in fear because my God is not able. for you can't tell me that's a mess. You can't manipulate me. Can't me manip- That's power. That's peace yes sir behold your threatenings O oh king yes <laughs> sir Peter had peace he went to sleep I prophesy to you that God's going to cause you to get peace that you can start going to sleep and sleeping good I, I speak that in the name of the Lord Jesus the devil won't torment you about your destiny, the devil won't torment you, I, pr- I pray God a good snore on you I, I pray a good deep snoring on you, come on somebody that anxiety come out of your pores come on, and the peace of the Lord which surpasses all understanding will drive the devil out of you come on, tell somebody I ain't worried. About tomorrow, God holds my future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bothering me, <laughs> that's powerful. Uh, yes, I wouldn't even yes. want to mess with nobody to talk to me like that. I was a king, never. I want to, I was a king. Behold, your threatening. <laughs> I wouldn't even want to, <laughs> I don't even want to mess with you no more. You say that, <laughs> like, leave them alone, just leave them alone. Right. <laughs> right, so I want you to understand that that Peter has a peace that the angels have to wake him up. Arise quickly! This is supernatural. Everybody say supernatural peace. That's why we sing the songs. Ah, got a feeling everything's going That's that supernatural peace. Jesus told me. All right, y'all know it. Y'all know it. All right, y'all know it. Uh mm-hmm. huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. y'all with me verse 8 and the angel said unto him I'm still on realization and expectation of signs and wonders here's a sign and a wonder see God has a heavenly host and it's called angels yeah. they're also the army of the Lord yeah. and they fight on your behalf and here's the angel of the Lord said unto him gird thyself bind on sand thy sandals so he did and he said unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him and was not that it was true, which was done by the angels. He said, I don't know what's going on. But thought he saw a vision and when they were past the first and second ward, they came into the iron gate that leads unto the city which opened to them of its own accord. Yeah. <laughs> now, this this ain't no 2000. This ain't no year 2000. This ain't no millennia, millennium. This ain't your grocery store when you get in front of the right. the door it recognizes you there. Got a sensor and it open up. This is supernatural. supernatural. They coming up to the gate and by and the gate open, access granted. I mean you coming up to it and supernaturally the gate know you there, cause God's presence is going before you. I said God is going before you. You walking and wondering why things are moving out your way. Because God is going before you. You wonder why things that could not be moved. You know how heavy this iron gate was? You know it took men, big strong men, to move this iron gate. But when God goes before you, he'll clear the battle. He'll clear your devils out the way. He'll torment your enemies before you get there. (laughs) Y'all hear what I'm saying? All right. (laughs) The iron gate opened unto them. All right. And uh, which opened unto them of his own accord and they went out and passed one through one street and and forthwith the angel departed from him. The angel got him where he needed to be and said, all right, you can go. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, now I know of a surety I know for sure, I ain't know if there's a vision or what that the Lord has sent an angel. I'm telling you, get ready for angelic visitations. Some of you have seen more demonic activity than supernatural Holy Ghost activity and it's time for you to see more visitations of the Spirit of God. You don't see more demons wrecking your family, more demons wrecking your stance and wrecking your momentum. You need to see the visitation of the armies of the Lord fighting on your behalf. He had an angel that went before him, woke him up, led him out of the city. I'm telling you, God will send supernatural help to get you back on course, to get you out of what you've been in. He got supernatural, everybody say supernatural help. I'm almost finished. I got five minutes. All right, verse 12. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together, what they were doing? Pray. Praying. Ain't nothing like to get out of prison and hear the saints praying, right? No matter how discouraging that could have been, got out of prison. He went in there. And they sad. Amen. And Peter knocking at the door of the gate, the damsel came to hearken, named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened out the gate for gladness. But ran in. She came was outside the gate. She saw him. She saw him. Ran in. Got excited. And told how Peter stood at the gate. See, one thing that you got to understand is God answers prayer. Yes. This is answered prayer. Everybody say answered prayer. Yes. So get ready for answered prayer. Yes. That's one of the things. Nothing that motivates you more than answered prayer. That's right. There got to be times in your life where God answers your prayers. Yes, sir. Otherwise, your faith just gets weak and you got to see God answer your prayer. This is answered prayer. Peter is answered prayer. They are praying for Peter. Rhoda answers the door. She's so excited. She ran in told them Peter stood at the gate. They said unto her, thou art mad. Rhoda, calm down. It even show you how you can get accustomed to praying and not receiving your prayers. It can show how you have become accustomed to praying and not receiving your prayers. But that's not the heart of God. The heart of God is for you to see answered prayer. They didn't even believe, Rhoda Rhoda, you mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, It's an angel. Now, I've been liking preaching this one. They said, It is his angel. Now that's profound. I'm still stuck on that. I done told y'all about that and I'm still stuck on it. I'm stuck on the fact that they were accustomed to the angel assigned to Peter's life, working miracles in his life. That when Rhoda was saying, they was like, no, that ain't Peter, that's his angel. They was accustomed to the supernatural visitation of the angel, angelic visitation on Peter's life. I want it to be so that when you don't see me, you see the things that support me, the angels that's fighting on my behalf. Come on, somebody. They was convinced that it was his angel. I want you to know, and I'll say it again I want you to know there are angels assigned to you I'm trying to build up your spiritual awareness about God in your life, you got angels that fight for you every day, come on they fight for you, you say I don't know they fight well, there are some battles you didn't face because your angel fought for it there are some things you didn't go through because your angel fought for that come on somebody they say it is his angel it's the reality of miracles, of signs and wonders, of the supernatural move of God. God will send his spirit to keep us on track for revival control. All right. Almost done. I'm going to 17. And they said unto her, they are mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then they said, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. Tell somebody to keep on praying. Oh, that's the thing. I'm telling you, everybody say keep on praying. See, that's Peter showing the other side of prayer is Rhoda never answered the door. So Peter says, you keep knocking until the door is open. This is the relentless side of prayer. This is the ain't giving up side of prayer. That's why we teach you don't just pray one time. That's right. We don't have we, 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 that before that. If you pray more than once, that means you didn't believe. No. Every time I said it, I believed every time I said it. And every time, I'm on my fifth time praying for it and I believe in more than the first time I prayed it. Come on. That's relentless prayer that you don't lose faith, that you keep praying until the door is opened. Yeah. Peter said, keep on knocking. I'm going to keep they say, keep, on "Keep on knocking. And when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoned unto them, this is my last point, with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them, how the Lord had brought him out of prison, and he said, Go show these things unto James. They had to update him. All right. And to the brethren, and he departed. And James did. And he departed and went into another place. The last thing I wanted to put is profound wisdom and resolve. God will give you profound wisdom and resolve. Profound wisdom and resolve. So here it is in summary. In order to maintain and sustained revival culture. You got to be able to withstand temptations, persecution, and warfare. You gotta have strategic planning for warfare. You gotta have strong and unwavering faith in God. You gotta celebrate those who stay in the faith. You gotta become a church family. You have to have the realization and expectation of signs and wonders. And lastly, God will give you profound wisdom and resolve. Thank you again, my friend, for listening to our radio broadcast of Truth Gathers Dream Center Church. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And every time we hear his word, we're able to grow thereby. My friend, I also want to invite you to our service. Maybe you have a free Sunday coming up real soon. we will love to see you at 1317 High Road here in Tallahassee. Truth gathers dreams in a church. God bless you until the next time right here on Wave 94.